With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply the shark baby has such teeth there and it shows them pearly white just a jackknife has old Maggie Heath babe and it keeps it uh, out of sight you know when that shark bite so welcome everybody to this latest episode of Macklin's Take with me Andy Clark and Matt Macklin as always Thanks very much to everybody who's written us a review in the last few weeks. Just wanted to say that, first of all. Uh, it really does help, and there have been some very, very good ones. And interestingly, we seem to have moved over the last few days from the sports section of the Apple podcast charts into the art section, which was, which was somewhat surprising. I mean, we do provide very kind of deep, highbrow, intellectual content, myself and Matt Macklin. Nobody could argue with that. It's undeniable. But, but having said that, I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting it. I think a contributing factor is probably down to Paddy Considine, who is a big boxing fan, uh, star actor, director, writer. He wrote us a really nice interview um, review on Instagram. And I think that may have had some kind of bearing but I, I am looking to get us back in the sports section because although we do want to cross over into the mainstream I think we need to we need to concentrate is it more not on Matthews our... is it not Matthews looks is it not his film star looks <laughs> the Steve McQueen sort of look that he's got eh? that, that was once a, once upon a time they used to say that about me the, the British still lawyer the member they called me that good look well, that was a long time ago now <laughs> well it could be it could be you never know but but we do we do want that kind of across uh, across the board appeal and uh, the voice you would have heard in the background there will be instantly recognisable to, to boxing fans um, it's Glenn McCrory and Glenn when I see on Twitter or other social media outlets about what you're up to and what you're doing the latest thing that you're doing if it was anybody else I'd think wow that's amazing he's doing that but because it's because it's you I look at that and just think yeah well of course he is this is exactly the kind of thing that, that Glenn McCrory gets up to in his spare time prepares to 
prepares to summit the planet Earth. So just uh, <laughs> just tell us what you've been doing. Uh, well, I've just done a, a training climb for my Everest challenge next year, and the training climb was the eighth highest mountain in the world, Mount Manaslu in the Himalayas, which was um, four and a half weeks, four and a half weeks in the snowdrift, stuck a five mile in the air, which was. Um, which is, to be honest, it was awful. It was, I must be honest about the romantic notion about climbing mountains. It is horrendous. It is just cold, wet, hard. You can't breathe. It's the toughest thing I've ever done. I, I would have gotten back in the ring with Tyson every single day rather than climbing that mountain. It was, uh, th- those guys are completely and utterly nuts. So what tempted you into it? I'm completely and utterly nuts as well, I think. <laughs> um, charity. It was a, a charity. I, I took a friend of mine. Um, I suppose the challenge as well, was it? Yeah, no, it, uh, it is the challenge. But, uh, you know, I, I took a friend of mine up Mount Kilimanjaro in a wheelchair, which was an epic an epic climb in itself. He was amazing. The, the wheelchair was specially adapted to use his arms. Um, and he had the same... He had the same um, condition that my brother died of so it, it was just heroic beyond belief that that you know he could get up you know we could get him up to the top of this mountain and on the way down I think exuberance took over and somebody asked me would you do another charity climb for for Everest and they said we will it's we're going to go to base camp and I and this is when the 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 sort of challenge took over and I said well if I'm going to do it this is me thinking base camp meant at the bottom of Everest I didn't realize it was almost 6,000 meters up. But I said, no, I, I, I've got to do the summit. I've got to have a go for the summit. Because I'd seen a few guys, Brian Blessed, I've seen a few um, you know, soldiers do it, a f- you know, a few big names, and, um, and I thought, I've got to have a go. But they said, you've got to do a training climb first. You've got to do the eighth highest in the world because we're not going to let you up. And I kind of, at that time, I must admit, I kind of thought, you know what, I'm in decent condition. I had no problem with altitude doing Kilimanjaro. Do I need? Do I need to? They said, "No, you definitely need to. You should do three or four. You definitely need to, to do a train climb." And I, they were so right. They were so right. It is absolutely just the toughest thing you could ever imagine. Tougher, tougher than anything I've ever come across in my entire life. It, you're cold. You're wet. You're hungry, and you're. And you, and you can't breathe, and it's just so, so hard. So was there any point at which you thought, I'm not sure if I can do this? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the thought was, I have never prayed so much in my, I'm quite religious, but I've never prayed so much in my life. And it was constantly just, please get me through the day, just let me survive. And you know, I've never been in that position before when you are literally just hoping you're going to survive. It's not about tiredness, you know. You are you are as tired as you could ever ever be. It's about I just please God let me get home and see my kids. It's it's that it's that tough. You know when it's like that, Glenn. I'm just I'm reverting like back to I suppose. And, and, and I know there's no comparison, but like to a hard run or a hard session, you break it down into sort of manageable goals. And you said there, I just want to get through the day, but I yeah. suppose you have to take it one day at a time. Yeah, there. yeah. Oh, no, you can't. You, you don't. You don't think of the flight home or or the, you know getting the summit or doing. It. You don't. You just think, can I get through today? I need to get through today, and then you know 
I hope nothing happens to me at night. You know, it, I'm on a slew. There was, I think, there was about 22 killed in an avalanche in 2012. Um, and so I was, I was, I went out with the thing of I hope I don't hear an avalanche. You hear avalanches every three minutes. Every three minutes, the the air just breaks with the sound of what you think is sort of thunder, and it's an avalanche somewhere in the mountains surrounding you is coming down. You just you know, and all the time you think I hope everybody's okay you know wherever that is it, it is it is really in nature the weather can just change in a second you know i mean it does it's constantly changing it, I, I, it's amazing that you'll never you know people won't see what i've seen because the views are, are different every day the same views are different every single day with the light with the, the height with the clouds were I, I mean absolutely staggering Staggering, you know, so memorable to see that. But with that comes, comes, you know, it can instantly start to snow, rain, anything can just change in a second. And if it does, then you know it's quite perilous. Does it take a little while to, given the profession that, that you two were both in, you're used to an element of danger. You're used to feeling both invincible but also vulnerable because you know mm. you know what can happen but but that kind that that level of vulnerability mm. at the mercy of kind of mother nature yeah is that a bit frightening it, uh, totally you, you i think the the boxing and being in situations kind of helps you because you do if you're going over a crevasse and you can't see it you can't see the bottom it's just black and you're going across a ladder that's you know wrapped together with 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 a bit of rope and you think I'm thinking like I'm three times the size of any shirt, or I'm twice the size of anybody on this mountain, and I'm going across. I'm going, you know, and it's just resting on snow. So if anything happens, but I think the boxing teaches you to be calm in that situation. You, when you're under fire, the one thing that you have to do is relax. You've got to relax when you know, and that seems that seems really hard to do, and it is for most fighters. But the great fighters can relax under pressure you know doesn't matter what's coming at them and i think that helped me a lot because you just think listen what's going to happen is going to happen just one foot in front of the other and just keep going across the ladder and that's how you get that and, and that was how you go by every day so the boxing helped me an awful lot but i mean it, it is a whole another level of fear and also i'd imagine energy is at an absolute premium so being able to stay relaxed and not burn that kind of nervous energy that other people would. Did, did you it's notice very, a difference? But with other other rookies up there with you, was it? No, just everybody was experienced climbers. I was the only one that never had a pair of crampons on. I mean, everybody kind of thought I was a little bit mad because I'd never I'd never used ropes. I'd never abseiled. I'd never used a jumer or, or any of the any of the climbing material. You know, so it was um, yeah. So people thought I was. I was I was mad. They they were quite pleased with my attempt, but um, yeah. And, and you realize, and now I realize that Everest, which one of the climbers with us had just done Everest, and, and he thought Manaslu was technically dip more difficult than Everest, but Everest is is a bit longer. So um, so I'm glad I've, I'm so glad I've done that because you know if we if we do it for the charity um, children's Christmas wish list, which which you know I'm. They are, they are deciding at the minute whether it, it's going to go ahead because, unfortunately, when I was at Camp 4, the lady in the next tent got... She, she started to get what I thought was cramp, 
but um, obviously it was a lot worse and she died. Um, and that was when you literally witness somebody and you can't do anything to help and they, they, they you know, you see how they're struggling. It is, it is really quite, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite horrific to, to, to witness that, you know, to witness somebody die in front of you. So, um, so it, you know, there's a lot of things you can do for charity. It is a very serious, it's a very serious thing that they do when they climb the mountains, and it is very, very dangerous. So, um, so we have to look into that. Um, so hopefully, you know, we raise a lot of money, and um, and it's all worthwhile, and we we get up in in next May. I mean, it's a it's a wonderful thing that you're doing, Glenn. And, and you spoke there, you said a few things, and I, I thought about it. That you know, said about fear, and you know, boxing prepares you to sort of cope with that fear or manage it. Um, but I suppose it's a different fear, isn't it? Because you're completely out of your comfort zone. You know, mm. as tough and as hard as boxing is, and the dangers we all know, and that's been hammered home this week. We know that, mm. but we've you know we've been there, and we, we, we're, we're prepared to take that risk. Yeah. But I'd imagine. You know, being out there at the mercy yeah. of Mother Nature, because you're at its mercy. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen? But I'd, I'd say, I, I would, I, I literally watch when they, the, the test is the crevasses, when they go across the ladders. And you would see, like, good climbers, you, you could see fear hit them. You know, after they took a couple of steps, you could see them stand. And you knew, you know, we saw two or three go fall in. They got rescued, thank God, but um, they went in. And you could... And I would, I would pretty much put my hat on 90% of boxers. 90% of people that box at a high level would be the same as me and would, would deal with it because it has given you that ground and that you, you know, somebody's going to come and, and, you know, set about you. Somebody, you know, and you, oh, good, good fighters, you know, that we, we fight with. And yet you've got to keep calm. You've got to control Calmness your emotions. Calmness and the madness, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and you've got to control your emotions. So I would, I would, you know, boxers would would handle that. Would would handle what I handle. It. It's kind of built in you. Hey, hey, ki- hey, kids! Hey, everybody! Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in hell, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desire and Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! What kind of backgrounds were were the other were your your teammates from in terms of what they do in their everyday lives? I, I always find this kind of interesting as to what you get a real mix generally, don't you? As to yeah, I mean, I mean, we had um, a Nepalese nurse who was a nurse in London. Um, I mean, Steffi Truquette, she's called. Um, she's from um, near between Spain and a little country. Between Andorra, she's from Andorra. She was she. I mean, you see her on on Twitter, and then she was amazing because she she. I mean, she would literally, if we're going up a path, she'd walk up. She'd go sort of off piste. I mean, she's she's just a terrific climber. She's just legendary, and she was she was the only one that went up without any oxygen. And she was just a young girl. She was just all lipstick and 
pretty and bubbly and and yet you know the, the, her level of toughness you know was it kind of sort of you know give you a jolt because you thought this is just a young pretty girl who can do everything yeah. amazing and, and she was the only one the, the sherbets had oxygen she didn't have oxygen but the fact the thing i found was with those sort of people they are so driven and they are everyone is is you know they all want to you know they want to do it without you know their, their goal if, if they claim everest the next goal is to do it without oxygen the next goal is to do it without a shirt but the next goal is to do it without a rope and you're thinking Oh, you know, thrill are seekers pe- are, are these people crazy yeah, I think they probably are, li- are a little bit crazy you know it's, uh, it's it's pushing themselves pushing that boundary all the time yeah I mean I I, I, I still you know I'm, I'm, I, I, I do cha- I like to challenge myself and push myself but you kind of all of a sudden you know your limitations and I very much knew my limitations I knew Joe, was, were you surprised oxygen. though? I needed as much as I could get. Were you surprised though? Because when we spoke before and you were saying, you know, I thought, you know, this is, you're going to have to train these. I said, no, I'll just go straight into it. Because, you know, we can be a bit like that, can't we? Because we, we know what we've done in our lives in yeah. boxing. We've gone to the depths of I our did. souls and we think that we can do I, anything. I, I, I know. I, I was exactly like, I didn't think I needed a training claim. I thought, oh, you know, Everest. <laughs> you know I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, it's only a hill. Do you know what I mean? Just keep going, and that's the kind of that, you know. But the reality is is so much different when when you think you're doing uh, something technical like climbing. And I really felt I felt so underprepared. I felt so at times I just felt like I am. I, I have no, if something if my sherpa, you know, it's just me and my sherpa, you know, in the dark, and I just you know. If anything happened to him, that I, you know, I was completely, I was, I was gone. That was that was it. So you know, and you really feel, you really, you really feel, you know, so small. You know, you really feel that you know you could just be swept away and gone in a second. I was thinking there when you you know you're talking about the fear and you're just getting through the day and that's great. You get through the day. But it's not over. You're only one day in, and then you've got to think, oh, I'm going to still on the side of the mountain. It's like how. But they do things like it's called a rotation to get used to the altitude. So you'll climb up to camp two and come back down. And, and, you know, that climb, the first time we did that, that was. I I thought, I'll never be able to do any more than this. This is me at my absolute limit. And, and And you come back down, and you've got to start again the next day and go and do it again. And, and, and you're thinking this is, and it's to get used to the altitude because you just couldn't, you can't, you just can't climb straight up. You've su- got to. I suppose prepare. you just have to trust the people yeah. as well, though, don't you? That they know they've been here, and I'll just, you know, follow yeah. their guidance. Well, we we were lucky enough. I mean, we, you know, my claim was was part of a world record with Nims Persia, who you might have seen on 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 TV or whatnot. He is the Gurkha Special Forces, lives in England, that is breaking the world record for the. There's there's um, there's 14 mountains that are above 8,000 meters. So he's doing all 14 in seven months, and I think the previous record is seven years to do them all because obviously the the epic journeys in themselves. So he's doing it in seven months. He's got one more to do, and the mountain is Shishapanga, I think it's called in in, in China, and. And it was closed. They they wouldn't let people climb it. They you know they stopped and they're opening they're opening it just so he can do his record. So we were with him. Being around him is is 
it's like the Sherpas are just a breed apart. They are just, I, I've never come across so, I mean, I've got to, we've got to get out to Nepal and start a boxing gym out there because there is some seriously, seriously tough Nepalese young men and women. I mean, they, and the, the little, the little guys, and if you're in, if you're struggling, they'll, they'll have a massive rucksack on. If you're struggling, they'll just say, oh, stick it on there. And you're thinking, you're five foot two, <laughs> you're eight stone, and you've got my rucksack and your rucksack, and if the next guy's that, you'll get his rucksack. They are seriously tough, tough, hardy people. I've never known, I've, you know, you're humbled when you're around people that are, that are, that are, so tough as these guys it's funny you say that because I've often thought that I've gone to international amateur tournaments you get kind of Mongolian fighters Mm. who are just rock rock hard and you look at that part of the world and I guess there's just no boxing infrastructure and that's why there aren't fighters from there but they do have that just resonant unbelievable toughness they they they, just as a nation they are just extremely tough And, and to see where they live I mean, we went to um, the village where we started off. We had to get two helicopters there, and which was epic going through the Himalayas and helicopters. And we got there, and it's just a little, a little village built of rocks. And you are, you are four days from the nearest road. And, you, and, and people are just living on, on hilltops, on mountaintops, and there's nothing around them. And that is just their life. And the kids, you know, the amazing thing was... All the kids, they're running around, little kids, you know, the clothes are all worn off and holes in them, little snotty noses and all that. And the biggest smiles and just having so much fun with plant pots and stones and just, you know, it really, it really is something worth seeing. And, you know, you get the, the young men, there's nothing else for them to do. You know, that, or, or what their lives consist of is climbing mountains and helping people climb mountains. And none of them, there's very few like NIMS that get any great accolades. You know, people come, you know, get pats on the back, what an amazing thing you did climbing the eighth highest mountain in the world. But they, you know, they were like, oh, you, my, my guy, oh, I've done Everest five times, I've done K2, I've done, you know, what? You know, I've been at Manaslu three times, and it's just what? And you know, nobody, nobody would know his name, and yet, you know, and yet, amazing. Well, we're going to have to cut this one into two parts today because Glenn's parked his car around the corner. He's parked it opposite, <laughs> opposite the police, police station. station, so that's it's nice and safe, but it probably <laughs> means it's prime territory for getting a ticket. So we're back, Glenn. Hot-footed it round to the police station, put some more money in the meeting, <laughs> got a ticket. He's, Don't a, say that. <laughs> he's a he's a law-abiding man. Fitz is a fiddle these days after all these mountain climbs. Know, a little trip round the police stations, nothing. Flying, flying all over the place. I wouldn't have thought Glenn McCrory should have to pay for parking tickets and parking and oh. things like that, given your reputation, the things you've achieved in this, <laughs> That's in why this part I've of the pay. world. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thirty years ago, thirty years ago, you won that IBF cruiserweight title, and this won't work particularly well for an audio format but I've brought a couple of pictures for, for Glenn today because an old fella around the corner from me he's got a massive collection of boxing photos and I went and looked through them a few months ago and what I ended up doing was buying ones of people I knew so that when I saw them I could I could give them to them now I know that you've probably got loads of photos of this night um, but here's a couple for you oh well it was an unbelievable night wasn't it it was it was unbelievable night it was um 
It was amazing. The, the, the trainer there, Bo Wolf, had just passed away um, just uh, about a few weeks ago, um, 30 years later. Um, Alfonso Ratliff there on the right, who is a um, former World Cruiserweight champion, who's my sparring partner, who was, who was very, you know, was, was great. I mean, that was one of the reasons I think I won. My, my sparring was so tough. But it was an amazing night because it was... Um, it was the first world title fight ever in the northeast of England, which is kind of epic, bearing in mind that the sporting background that the northeast has. And um, it was the first, it was the first um, world title fight in, in Stanley, and the last world title fight in Stanley, because you know, I had the, the fight literally 300 yards from where I lived. Was, I, li- I, walked, I walked from the, my street from my house. I went to see my, my little girl, um, and then I walked up with my bag on my back up, up the main street of Stanley and I'm looking around and I'm thinking I see a person with a dicky bow tie on you didn't see where I come from you don't see dicky bow ties people with dicky bow ties on and then a Rolls Royce and then I'm seeing women and, and I'm, I'm like what the hell's going on in Stanley? <laughs> they were there for my fight. Everybody was there for my fight. The celebrities, Ovita Zane Pet, all the guys were, Tim Healy and, and all the guys were in the front row. And it was just an amazing night, you know, not just for me, but for the whole region. You know, open top buses around, around Newcastle. And that was, was unbelievable. And since that night, you've, you've stayed very, very close to the sport. You retired quite young. And... You're outlining that that walk to the to the venue there, and it's it's throwback stuff. It's it's the kind of thing you would read from the 1920s, 1930s in Chicago and New York, things like that. And you look at the World Boxing Super Series, where the IBF title was won by um, Alexander Usyk, and the unified all belts in that competition. That's a very different kind of picture. Is the boxing landscape is it recognisable for you? to the one that you took part in yourself no. because you've seen it all the way through um, no it, I mean it, it's you know you kind of you'd like to be a fighter around today because it was it was kind of a you know there wasn't the opportunities that you you had then so you really had to you really had to fight you know and you, you came up against top fighters straight away you didn't get you know you didn't get pick pick defences and you know that sort of stuff it was it was it was probably a little a little tougher at the time, um, but it was you know for me it was I, I was told my whole life nobody ever won a, a world title from the northeast of England, so it was kind of you know you've got it's never going to happen you know it's never going to ha- aim aim low even my even my own parents would be like you know just aim for British and you know I was like no I'm going to be world champion They're like well so as a kid nobody's ever done it you know so everybody always got told. You'll never do it. So for winning the world title, it was I only had one aim because it was it was like climbing Everest. It was it was one of those things that you can't do. It was impossible to do it. So that was my only aim was winning it. So I had no no and that was You'd it. Never for me. thought beyond that. Never. Uh, there You'd was never no. There wasn't. Beyond uh, it, yeah. To be honest, there wasn't anything beyond that. It was only that. It was only that was that was my goal. So winning it. Was was unbelievable. It was fantastic. You know, I remember, you know, falling asleep eventually with my belt still around my waist. But when I woke up, it was the worst day. So that was the best day of my life. The next day was the worst day of my life. 
because I had no ambition anymore. And it was weird that you, you say, well, of course you'd have ambition. You know, you've got defense. I'd never, I'd never, that had never, ever come into any thoughts of mine. It was like, can I just finish now? You know, I made, I made a paltry sum of money. Um, but it, it was something, and it's, it's very, it, 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 you know, you probably don't even understand that, you know, because you might not have ever felt that, but I didn't want it anymore. It was, wasn't, I'd done it. And it no, was strange. I, it, yeah, I, I, as you're saying it, I'm trying to think, put myself in that position, but I suppose I always had, you, had, you, you know, one of the world champion and then being in the middleweight division, you think, you know, unified, different things, but I, I, I know, yeah, I suppose in the sense that you, the, only th- the nearest I could compare to it is probably when you retire and not being prepared for life after retiring because you'd only dreamed, you'd only thought your life up to that point of yeah, your career. Yeah. I'd never really thought about after boxing. Yeah. Now, that's that's the nearest I could probably envisage yeah. to it. Yeah. it you well, know, probably, I, mean, I mean, for you as well, a world title was ob- your obvious goal, wasn't it? It was your obvious goal. So, you know, to come sort of tantalizingly, you know, to fight for it and all that sort of stuff. That must have been, in some ways, something similar. Because did you feel that you fully? Did you feel you were fulfilled? I, I, no, I think I, I think after the Martinez fight, you know, I was I then 30, 30 years old? Um, you know, and I, but I turned pro young, 18, 19. Yeah. So, you know, and I had a lot of ups and downs and disappointments, and you know, you, mm. you, you pick yourself back up and you keep going again. And then I think. I think after the Sturm fight and the Martinez fight, you know, there were, there were good paydays, obviously, at that mm. stage of my career as well. I was older and I had a lot of injuries and a lot of yeah. miles on the yeah. clock and yeah. I changed trainers and I'd yeah. been into America and I'd been to Manchester. And, you know, it, it it's all takes a piece here, mm. doesn't it? And I, I think at that point, looking back, now you still, you know, I had a comeback with a good win against uh, Alcine, knocked him out yeah. around, and then there was, you know, the Golovkin fight. But I think if you always, hindsight's a great thing and you, you always conduct the, connect the dots looking back. But um, I think after Martinez, I was I was done yeah. really. You know, from a motivation yeah. you talked about. But you motivation. must have you must have you must have sort of you must feel f- complete in a way because you fought such good fighters. You know, it wasn't you know. Yeah, I, I said this when I retired. I think for me, I never wanted no to shame be, in losing never, to yeah, Martinez and Golovkin. I, is there? I never wanted to be manoeuvred or protected or manufactured. I wanted to fight the best. I wanted mm. to know. Well, how good am I? Do you know what I mean? I want to fight with the best. I'd rather... I wanted to swim in the ocean yeah, with the great whites yeah, as opposed yeah. to be the biggest goldfish in the yeah. pond. Do you know what I mean? That's what I always wanted. Yeah. You know, come what may. Yeah. <laughs> Even if a few broken ribs and a, yeah. a couple of lasses come along the way, come what may. Yeah. That's, that's what I was. Sorry, wanted. I don't know what I'm doing asking the questions. Oh, you, 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 you continue. You carry <laughs> well, on. Reverse it. <laughs> we, just, we, just, we just hit records and we see what happens with this. That's the way we always do it. And that's the way we always will do it. I always find it really interesting to, to hear people talk about how it feels to, to win or to fulfil an ambition. And, and you said the greatest day of your life followed by, by the worst day of your life. Because often when I've spoken to people, and it's, sometimes it's Olympians, usually in individual sports, they say that winning, when it's something you've wanted for so long, it's not even really that euphoric. It's more relief that you haven't lost. Mm. I mean, so that day when... Mine, mine, How mine, much pressure mine was mine under? was you for it in a way because I was massive underdog. I, I was given no chance at all. The, the headline, you know, which was was a shock to me because I, I thought, you know, I went into the fight thinking I had a chance, and then the reality of it came. 
the reality was a John King fight. It was, it was very unpopular part at Le Mans, but he was one of those that nobody wanted anything. You know, he'd had about 367 amateur fights and lost six. He was one of those world amateur champions. He was one of them who needs him, a, a Kenyan boxing out of Sweden who then goes to Las Vegas. So you knew he was he was very, very tough. And then I read, but I still thought I had a chance. And then I read the paper that day, Colin Hart, who'd, who'd kind of discovered me in a way, when I won my debut in a round, he was, you know, back page of the the Sun, and Colin Hart wrote wrote that day. Glenn's a goner. That was the headline. Was just Glenn's a goner, and it was just like, I've got no chance at all. And that was that was that was a stark realization that day because then I realized the politics of you know they're bringing them over here because they're just buying them a world title, you know, because he's not popular. He's not going to sell any tickets, but they can get him a world title. He's Don King's fighter. Um, and, I, and I found out my promoters had backed against me and you know put money on and all that sort of stuff. So it was, um, but there was a realization that day when I thought, I asked myself for the first time in, in my life I, I've ever thought, how much do you want this? And I start, and I, someone come in, I thought I'll die for this. I'm willing to die. Uh, yeah. And at that moment, it was kind of I got a big sense of relief, thinking, you know what, I'm going to win this because. He's not prepared to die. I guarantee he's not prepared to die. I am, and I knew. And for there, I thought. And, and there was one thing in the in the in the ring. We got in, and it, in my dressing room it was like a, it was like I was going to the gallows. You know, it was just so. You know, nobody was speaking. It was it was awful. And then I, I got I got out into the ring, and the crowd went mad. And it was like Jesus. Nobody's told them I'm going to lose. They were just. He, you know, he mustn't have had one solitary person in that hall in Stanley. It was like St James's Park, where, where had, was in a leisure centre in in the northeast of England. And we, I got in the ring, and I was—if you watch the, the, on YouTube or whatever—you see I look very nervous. I get in the ring, and, I'm, and he gets in the ring, and we get it reduced. And he, when he's introduced, this part of my he goes, he just puts his arms. I'd been told, I'd been told the whole time, box him, box him, box him. He's big bang eyes, very dangerous. Just box him, box him, box him. And then he did that. And something changed in my head, and I thought, I'm gonna smash your face. <laughs> and it was, and it was, it was, it was just the sheer that he had the sheer Audacity. goal yeah, yeah, to yeah. come into into my town. And think it was going to be easy, and something inside me just thought, "I'm, I." And that was, and you just see my face change, and I, I go straight out after him, and they're screaming in the corner, and I, I nearly knock them out with the left hook in the first round, and that is what won me the fight. Just one, just a simple thing of thinking, "I'm gonna smash your face." That switch, that switch <laughs> mentality, that yeah. changing attitude, yeah. And I, I guarantee, had I boxed, I'd have gotten beat. Because he did just getting so he was so confident. I mean, I almost knocked him out in the first round, and then by the fifth round, he perforated my eardrum and he was coming back on top and he was really getting you know. And it just took pure will, and the crowd, you know, never have a crowd. They just they start banging their feet, like to, in rhythm, and it was almost like you know they, it was just something that was giving me more and more strength. And then my my, my disabled brother who wasn't supposed to be there. I saw at ringside. He, the, the police had brought him at ringside. It was it was a fairy tale. It was it was just it was.
just a bunch of circumstances that all came together to get me over the line. And it, it literally was, you know, then that was it for me. My heart went out of boxing after that, after when, that fight. When you spoke, uh, when you said then about, you know, the next day I woke up and it was literally the worst day, best day of my life and literally the worst mm-hmm. day of my life. Do you say that looking back or did, did you feel that at the time? No, I, f- I felt, I felt... And maybe it's the feeling of anticlimax, you know. Maybe maybe it was a bit of that, but I just felt empty. And it was trying, uh, even trying to excite myself. So you just got you covered, you know. Don't feel so down. You've just won the title, and it was like my world had gone. Everything I lived for, every you know, I never, I never from that day getting out for. I loved running. I loved training. I loved being in the gym. Loved sparring. Every everything about it. From that day. Everything was an effort. It was, it was, it was weird, and and that that pure excitement, love has never quite come back to the extent it was as a young fighter. And hey, everybody! This is Moto G Pete from the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Well, I mean, you had a very long uh, career with Sky then as a broadcaster covering the fights. I remember my first memories going around. To, we never had Sky, but we aren't looking at Sky. We'd go around, look around there. And I'd stay the night, and I'd stay up till three in the morning. Watch, yeah. remember one of the, I think the Bo, Bo Hollyfield, the first fight. Yeah. I remember watching that one. What, 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 what fights in those early days really stand out uh, to you? Do you know, the, I mean, there was just so many, so many. Um, I, Bo Hollyfield was the tenth round, and Bo Hilly, um the what's he called? Um, the, you know, I haven't thought about boxing I've thought about mountains Barrera, last, Morales. Barrera Morales Barrera Morales born we went over there and you know what we, What was exciting was this was it, it was exciting being part of Sky sort of finding its feet you know from day what you know, I was there from day one finding its feet and then blooming and, and sort of like getting its gravitas in the world of broad, you know it, you kind of were also growing with a company you know it was like a few porter cabins at, at the back of Gillette Corner at one point and then you know so you you were you were the it was it was you know and everybody's saying everybody's saying to me you know what are you doing and I was like I'm, I'm a commentator who, who for and it was like Sky Sky and it was like Sky TV what's that and it was it was is that with the the, thing, the, dish. the thing, them dishes things well, that's never gonna and I was like I've listen I've been to America and everybody's got a dish in their garden that's never going to take off. <laughs> That's never got that. Absolutely, go for ITV. I was like, I'm telling you, this is the future. So it was great being. It was a kind of exciting time as a company growing and and thing. Yeah, and the fights were, you know, getting. You know, I'm a kid from from a little mining village in, in the northeast of England, and all of a sudden you're sitting ringside. You know, you're sitting ringside with George Foreman and and. You commentate, you know, and it's just a who's who of, of great fights. And, and there was, there was uh, you know, I mean, Tyson's career, Lennox's career, Holyfield's career. People like, you know, seeing the baton handed over when Chavez fought De La Hoya 
and you're seeing two Mexican legends sort of change, you know, the mantle change hands. You know, them fights were, you know, them fights were just unbelievable. There's some, you know, the Madison, uh, Madison Square Garden forever will be for me, you know, the home of boxing. You know, that that is that, you know, because in Vegas, you know, big fights on. That's what the city's all about. It's all about that big fight. In New York, a big fight is is, is amazing, but the whole city still goes on. You know, it's a little thing that happens. And, and I remember the Delahoya fight, and, and you could stand there, and Jack Nicholson's there, and then you know, different people, all different actors are in the crowd. You know, just just as punters, you know, they they're not like sitting all in the front rows. They're just dotted about, yeah. you know, with their mates. You know, the whole of New York. Ah, some fabulous, fabulous times. Listening to your talk there about people saying, you know, Scott, who are they? That, you know, the dish, that's never going to work. How do you, with the current ch- change, what's happening now with the streaming platforms, the Zone and uh, ESPN Plus coming into the game, mm. you know, the PBC, that, you know, yeah. trying to go and it's a change. Dana White. It's a change what, what, again, what, isn't it? Yeah. Having kind of gone through that already, how do you see it playing out? Well, I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be difficult because there is obviously lots of there's lots of competition again, and and you know Sky have got the same problems the BBC had and ITV had back in the days when when it was just about them. But you know, I mean, I think it's it's it, you're as good as the fights you're showing, and if you if you keep getting good fights, you know. People will keep watching and people will keep tuning in. So that's that's what it's all. You know, it's 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 a quite a simple equation. Give people what they want to see, and you know, and, and uh, you know, get the viewers. The the attraction for boxing is still is still there. I mean, obviously, I'd like to to to, to add, add personally as a punter these days. You wanna you wanna see. Sometimes the pay per view eliminates eliminates people from the. And it's you know the more pe- you know the more people that you see, the more people that see boxing, the more popular it will be. And and I just feel we're in a little place now where, you know, AJ was exciting everybody. You know, he was bringing the nation behind him, and we're getting them at Wembley Stadium and the Millennium Stadium. Do you know how many is going to see the fight in uh, Saudi Arabia in on pay per view? You know, and so you know, obviously I love the sport. I love the sport, and I want the sport to thrive. And you know, you want to make it, you want to see it as accessible to the casual fans because you know a lot of the casual fans don't know what they're missing. You know, and so you, you know that that'd be my only thing, just to to make it you know, more accessible. You know, because at the moment, particularly over the last few years, there's there's more boxing available to watch on TV than ever before. But mm. you have to know where it is. Yeah, you have to know yeah. where to find it. And I think yeah. that's 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 how the landscape is different now. Like you say, people mm. when you started working for Sky, they're just like, I've never heard of that. I've got to get a dish and put it on my house. Get out of here, Glenn. Yeah. That's never that's never going to work. But yeah, the ugly. I'm not going to have one but of them. The, but the it's it's ease, isn't it? With which you can locate something is mm. what is what TV is all about yeah, to an extent. Yeah, yeah, the simplicity of just you know, BBC is the first, you know number one on the on the button, isn't it? Number one, two, three. You, you're you're kind of going to go to them first before you know, you know. As a punter, you just got you know before you start scrolling down to the the, 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 the you know. It, and boxing needs the you know boxing needs the casual fans. You know, it needs it. You know. And it's amazing how many people love, you know, love to watch a fight, 
if they have that ease of seeing it. If it's just oh, I, I, you know, I saw a fight last night. I, you know, it was um, it was on TV, and but they will they will then watch it, you know. So it's an exciting time as well because there is opportunities uncertainty. and uncertainty. Yeah, and uncertainty. Yeah, there's well, opportunities for other people. Well, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It does. But again, people are f- people are very fickle, and, and simplicity is what you know. If they can just just get it, um, it's in, you know. But sport and business, is, it's important that you know Sky keep football and you know as, as a whole because obviously if the football's on then they'll turn over and, and watch or, or keep watching when the boxing's on and that sort of stuff you know so um yeah it's 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 a it's a funny sort of time for boxing because there's so many choices that you don't want you don't want it to just to get lost, you know. I mean, I, I do, I do bare knuckle boxing as well, you know, and that's growing, that's growing, and, and people, people now are a little bit more used to seeing a bit more rough and ready. Back in, back in our day, you know, the referee was, you know, jumping in, and and, and if somebody, if you know, haven't been somebody passed away as, as as poor Patrick Day did, God bless him, man. There was masses, you know, everything come under scrutiny. Where, where a little bit today, people, are, people are used to seeing um, UFC. They're used to seeing a bigger degree of violence than than they were. And um, so, other sports, are, other sports are coming in that do that. You know, I, I, I was never, and will never be a fan of, of the USC. You know, I don't, I don't like the kicking and the kneeing and that sort of stuff. Um, Nothing changes my mind, you know. I don't like that level of violence, so um, BKB's okay. <laughs> I do like BKB, uh, but but again, again, that's what that's where boxing started. You know, it started there, so it, it has its it has its, its 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 negatives. You know, people might say it's a bit more gory, but but it also has its bonuses. You know, because it's it's very exciting. It's very very exciting. So, um, so boxing has so much to compete with that it's important that you know they 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 make sure that people have access to these good fights, you know, because you'd hate that them those fights. It was probably the same back in the days when it was Morales, Barrera, and people like that. You know, did did um, it was the early days. Of, you know, a lot of people didn't until years later they didn't get to see the, you know all of a sudden you know I was watching Barrero and nobody else nobody else had, had heard of him and Morales and guys like that you know years later they became superstars didn't they Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend, Rip, and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. You talk, you, you mentioned Anthony Joshua there, and of course he did, is still, 
at the forefront of what has been a big movement in British boxing in the last in the last four or five years. It was a runaway train, and we hope it's got a few miles left in it yet. You can't really control it, but as you were watching it charge down the tracks, did you think this is almost too important now that this doesn't derail? But I think it might. Do you know, I think having seen, you know, watching Lennox, you know, watching a fight as good as Lennox derail spectacularly against fighters that he should never have derailed against watching Tyson spectacularly derail you know watching their careers you kind of you know you know it's going to happen you know because you've seen you've seen really good fighters you know it's it's funny how it's funny how um, people don't change people fall people yeah you know fall down the same traps you know history repeats itself time and time again and you'd think you'd think fighters would 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 learn you know I, I, I'm seeing that you see the changes in, in Joshua and you know you kind of pick up on why is he going to Miami for a training camp you know what's wrong with Sheffield you just he's taking his eye off the ball and like the camera say no we're not we're still trained but you are you t- you, you've you've it's become and then you look at you know when you had three guys in the gym and then team Joshua is 22 I think what is what are eighteen of them doing in that camp? Do you know, you got you got a coach. You know, if, if you might want to have a, a conditioning coach, Do you know, you might have a you know somebody to give you water. What else do you want? You know, what do you need? Do you need twenty-one people to tell you how great you are? So you could see them fall. You could you could see it. You know, you could see what was happening. You could see that you know you starting to believe his own. Is on publicity, and you know the thing that you know, you know any fighter will tell you. You know sometimes you go in the gym with a, you know you're off your guard a little bit. You might be world champion or, or British or European or whatever, and you go in with some little amateur, you know who's out of shape, and he comes out and you know you're a bit relaxed and he hits you on the chin and you think, whoa, <laughs> what was that? You know anybody anybody can hurt you. Anybody, the you know the guy the guy coming out of a bar full of drink, if he hits you on the chin and you're not expecting it, it's gonna hurt you. So you've got to give everybody, and the fighters that do really well, give every, make every, every opponent is a world champion. I've got to train harder, I've got to train harder, I've got to train harder. And it's that sort of dedication. But it's, it's history repeats itself time and again. You see right in front of your eyes, the beginning, it, it they, they believe happen. in their own press. It will always happen because we're not going to suddenly die and come back a different species. We're human, we, yeah. we have human failings and you know, complacency is one of them and it's such a difficult thing to guard against because it creeps in subconsciously doesn't yeah. it we fight week we had a fighters meetings in New York and you know f- probably an hour a good hour Anthony Joshua was sitting there and people were firing different questions at him two questions were asked about Andy Ruiz in the whole hour two yeah, questions it was, it was, it's it was impossible remarkable. for his focus not to get drifted yeah. not to sway but also you you know you look at yourself in the mirror and you you know God's gift, you know, you're fantastic. You, you, all your, you know, you look a million dollars, and you look at your opponent, and he's, you know, he looks like he's just come out of Burger King after a night on the on the on the Raz. Um, and it, it, you think, well, it's nothing. It's nothing. But time should have time should have made you until he's until he's counted to ten. What, he's what, always dangerous. If you, anybody is. What's your thoughts on the rematch? 
on the rematch, well, I think the rematch will will Joshua will be an outstanding, uh, uh, you know, an easy winner because he should have been an easy winner the first time, and they messed up, you know. You know they they messed up. So you know the camp and Anthony and the whole they messed up. So I think they'll not mess up this time. You know, obviously it was a very very painful, expensive, hard lesson, um, which you know when you get knocked out in front of millions of people is you know it, there's nothing worse. You know it is the lowest place you can go. So um, so he's had that. So obviously he's got he's got the difficulty now is that Ruiz has done it once and will believe he can do it again so it's going to be a better Ruiz than it was the first time and but he, it should be a lot better Anthony Joshua and I think it's a two or three round job at best but he, I think history says that going into an immediate rematch after a loss like that is not really the thing to do no I mean it could be it could be it could be ego you know it, which again if, if that's still there then that's a problem so he needs to address like what's the reason what's the reason for the straight rematch if he if it's just i know what did i you know what possessed me to take my mind take my eye off the ball if he can address that and realizes where he went wrong then uh, you know it, 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 it sh- it's an easy fight for Josh. It always was an easy fight for Josh. Right? You know, he should he should have had him out there in three rounds. You know, this with his mind on the with his mind on the target. You know, as long as there's no distractions, you do get worried about hearing hearing he gets hurt in the gym. You know, now whether that's just people rumor mongering. You know, but I have heard a few times that he's been decked in the ring by a few different people. Um, that if if that's so, then you know maybe he's maybe he you know he he doesn't take a punch so good, and it haven't been knocked out. Then you know that fighters become less good at taking shots, you know, because there's a bit of a mental problem there. You know, once they get a bad knock, sometimes fighters it'll either be the making of them or the end of them. Because if he loses again, it's it's just. That's the end, you know. I, I think um, he can't. He can't come back from a loss to someone, to someone like Ruiz again, because you know. I mean, I think Daniel Dubois would probably beat Ruiz. I mean, I think I, I, do, I do. I you know. I think it was just a really bad night. It's interesting you say that because a lot of people think that Ruiz will beat him again in the rematch, mm. and, and that's quite a, That's quite a an unusual view that you that you have on it, which is which is good to hear. You know, you always get something different from Mr. G. McCrory when you turn up for a chat with <laughs> That's him. That's worrying. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. But in terms of the, uh, you mentioned the the mistakes that people repeat from the past, mm. and, and and obviously Lennox did it. He 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 was filming Ocean's Eleven and arrived in South Africa late, and probably took Hassan Ratman Tyson, lightly and, Douglas. And, and Tyson with, with Buster Douglas. Billy but you, you were around both of those two when they were kind of at their at their peak. What were their camps like? Because you were in Tyson's for, for yeah, many Tyson, Tyson's, What were their camps Tyson's, like when they were really delivering the Tyson's group? camp was was brutal. It was it was it was like clay on a mountain. It was you know if you weren't up to it, you got knocked out. You know, there was no, there was no, there was no give way. There was no leniency with Mike. He was just on a mission. And if you were not good enough, that would, you know, you just got paid and you went home. 
and, and you know, so I'm not loads of people out. Lennox was a much more relaxed camp, and you know that was the way Lennox worked. Very chalk and cheese, the two the two camps. You know, Lennox's biggest problem was you know falling asleep. You know, he was just you know he was often late for train, and it was all it was all just very. But that that's how he worked. You know, you kind of knew. Lennox was very talented. You know, he did he did his work the right way, but. You, to get the best out of Lennox, you had to, as I well know, you had to wind him up. And when he got nasty, he was, you know, unbeatable. You know, when he, when he, when if somebody, once you got into that, once you got Lennox focused, then, you know, he was, he was, just, you know, he was, he was very tough and very aggressive and that. But the biggest problem was was getting him like that because he was just everything was just so relaxed. So when you first arrived to Spa Tyson, uh, I read your book, and uh, <laughs> you there was some problem with your luggage. So you arrived and you just had a you had to buy, buy a pair of Bermuda shorts. You had a, <laughs> yeah, Bermuda a shorts, of vest, and a pair of plimsolls. I know. I mean, I can't, I can't no. imagine I don't what know they must have thought. Uh, well, I, I, I think there could have been. I think there then could have been a bit of under underestimated me, which probably helped me because. I did look a joke, you know what I mean? I was only a white fighter and I had a string vest on. And that was all I could afford to get, you know, till my gear come. Um, but it got, me, it got me in. It got me, it got me in there and, and, you know, I had a good first day. And, and you know, once you got his respect, then, then you were kind of away. But it was, uh, you know, to see guys and you'd see good fighters come in and they'd, they'd stand there and you'd see them fighting with James Broad or James Tillis or, or whoever. And there was just blood and snot and getting decked. And it was almost like for any other spawn that I'd ever been there, I'd never, I'd never witnessed this. You know, I'd been around... Ruthless. I'd been around Larry Holmes camps and I'd been around some top heavyweights before that. And it was like... Whoa. <laughs> whoa. And guys would just... Fighters would just... You'd see them, and you'd go, well, just warm up, just warm up. You'll be in, you know, two, three, four rounds, whatever you got to do. Just warm up, loosen up, and just get on with it. And they were just... <laughs> you know, he would knock, knock fighters out. I mean, he was vicious. vicious. I mean, at the time, I thought, whoa, this is... I'd heard Duran was exactly the same, and I thought, this is a guy who's, you know... You, if you're, you're getting paid to go in there, you know nobody was going in there voluntarily. You're, you're earning those dollars. Bonpons were getting well paid, and you know so you expected. But I thought, wow, he's, he's he's really vicious. But then later on, later on, I realized there was a little bit of a bully in Mike's personality because there was times when he didn't need to do it, and guys were not up to his anywhere near his standard. And you know, I've seen him once or twice where there's literally a, a there's literally a couple of or a second gap, and you see him look at it and then land again when he when he when he needn't have done that, and, and you just see that little that little part of his his character that at that time there was a bit of a bully there as well, which we saw, which which played out later in his career, didn't it? You know, you yeah. saw, you, you know that that came. That came. That came. He was never able to bully Hollyfield, was he? You know, no. Hollyfield never feared no. him, did he? And no. that was the key, I think. No. But you know what? It, it, it's there was two Mike Tyson's 
There was two Mike Tysons. There was pre-jail and, and post-jail. And the Mike Tyson that come out of prison was a, was a, was a broken man because, you know, I think he, he definitely thought he was wrongly convicted, badly done to, you know, Don King got away with an awful lot of money as, as looking after his estate. And I think, you know, to this day, he's, you know, he, he holds that, he holds that very, very bad. And he was, he was completely, he was bitter. He was, you know, he didn't train. He, he messed, he was with the wrong people, he, you know. So he, even though he still had some good results and, you know, he still won titles again, that kid, that kid, that 20, 20 year old kid was as close to unbeatable as I've ever seen. He was just a force of nature. You know, and if you could have harnessed that, you a hundred percent, you would have the greatest heavyweight that ever lived. If you could have harnessed that for the next for the next ten years, instead, you got a bit of a, a shadow of, of the of the Mike Tyson that, that 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 was as that little naive kid. It was, I mean, stories when we would it was amazing because be in the ring and he'd be swearing at you and saying he's going to kill you and all this sort of stuff and stand still. Which I obviously didn't. <laughs> if you see this, if you see, if you see this bar, I, I have perpetual movement. Perpetual movement. I'm like Usain Bolt with gloves on. <laughs> Never stop moving. But that was the way. That was that was the way. Because Mike Tyson, he had to, he had to have the balance right. He had to mm. set himself. He had to set himself. And you know, I've seen a little bit on tape now when he's moving, but he still has to set himself before he lets punches go. So if you don't let him set himself, just pop him Keep and then move. Him, pop him, him and, and then yeah. move. Um, you'll never get him. So, so. But I take it. I take it. You're winding him up. Then as he's getting frustrated, he's getting more angry. <laughs> he's um, he, we did. But the, the strange thing. Well, this was this was Mike, this was the naive Mike Tyson. And I mean, Robin Givens. You know, she destroyed him. She destroyed Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson was so naive. It would be like. Um, one minute he's gonna kill me and all of, all the white so and sos under the sun. Then he'd stop. He go, Glenn, are we going down and play Space Invaders later on? We're gonna play Space Invaders down the boardwalk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever you say, mate. <laughs> but uh, that was the kid. That was the kid. He was just a kid, yeah. you know. He wanted to play Space Invaders, and, that, and that's that's what we did. You know, what I mean, that, that was. That was that was the sparring, our sparring days. You know, when we weren't sparring, we were playing space invaders. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was 96 rounds in total, mm. and never down once. Never down once. Never down once. No, no, could never catch me. Could never catch me. I mean, it, it was it was it was one of those. It sounds you know, it's like the mountain. It's great now, you know. It's it's people. Oh, that was. But at the time. But at the time. It was just, can I please be somewhere else? This is this is seriously bad for my health. And it was one of those where you you know you were, you know you you. It was like it was like my world title fight every day, every day. And, and to be honest, that that prepared me, that prepared me for for to get to that to get to that level, um, the work with him because you you know, that's where you learn to control your fear because you are scared. You know, you literally, uh, you finish bar and you think I'm. I'm you know, I've made it. I've made it. I'm getting through it, and then later in the afternoon, you know, you'd be happy, and, you know, hey. and then late in the afternoon, you think it's tomorrow. We do the same again tomorrow, and that that was that was that was scary. <laughs> that was scary. So just to 
just to wind up because we've got to let you go but uh, which would you rather then a day in the gym sparring Mike Tyson or a day on the mountain which is worse I think I'd, I think for me Mike Tyson every every day I'd be in the ring with Mike definitely it's because that's you know at the end of the day that's what that's I love that's what I love that's what I, knew, I know that's you know that's you know you in with the best but you know, it was, an, it was an honor to be, you know, it's great to say that now that you, you, you were with, you were part of the camp of, of Iron Mike, you know, it, it is very, very best. Um, that's great. It is, it's kind of, you know, the mountain is, the mountain is, is, the mountains, it's against everything, you know, it's against everything that you, you want to do. You, I don't want to be anywhere high, you know, I don't want to be anywhere where I can fall and die. You know, I don't want to be anywhere where, you know, if it's too cold, I, I die. I, you know, I, it's it's it's, it's um, yeah, they're crazy people. And, I, and crazy I think people. I suppose when you, you you spar Mike Tyson, you know you want to become world champion. So even though you're helping him prepare for his fight, ultimately you're still chasing your dream. Hundred percent, yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. You, you, you never dreamt of, of going in the summit. I never paid for a spawn partner. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, it was. I thought I thought TJ, who was a tough, you know, very tough guy from London for the British title and you know I wasn't making any money I was still on the dole when I won the world title I signed off the dole I'm probably the only fighter that ever signed off the dole when he won a world title that's how badly I was getting I was getting treated at the time you know so um I forgot where I was going there but what were we talking about I was about? saying the, 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 as hard as things can be sparring Tyson the dream gets you through it yeah you never dreamt of the no. summit no I know no I know <laughs> You no, think you won't have signed up to I know, here? I know, and I'm thinking, I don't even want to go there. don't even want to go there. I'm here, but you know, what do I want to go there for? It doesn't make any sense, you know. Why do I, you know... I'm not chasing the dream here. What have I signed up to? <laughs> but when I spot Tyson, one of the fights was TJ, you know, and he was he was same height as Tyson, stotty must, and it was like, you can't go sparring Tyson. You're training for the British title fight. He was like... He's free. I'm getting paid yeah. for the best spot partner I could ever get. I mean, yeah, I could have went wrong. I might get a British title shot, but um, it was great. It was, it was, and you know, I mean, the experience of climbing the mountain, and I still, you know, I do want to do um, Mount Everest. It's still, it's still, it's still there. That you know, the highest mountain in the world is still there. But um, and it'll still be there when I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking rubbish now. No, it's a challenge, <laughs> though, isn't it? It's a challenge, isn't it? You still no, no, it is the challenge. It is the it challenge. Is a challenge. Yeah. And you know, the claiming the eighth highest mountain in the world, still not claiming the the highest mountain in the world. But it is something that you know we've got to make a lot of money. We've got to make a lot of money um, for the charity. We've got to make a lot of money because it's 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 not it's not to be messed with. It is one of those that if the weather changes. It's a bad day. I'm not coming back, mm. and that's 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 kind stakes of stakes are high. That's that's kind the of juice a, has to be worth the squeeze. Has to be, it has to be. So, um, if anybody, please dig in and let's get me up to the top of the mountain just so these guys can have a laugh. Well, we'll 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 make sure we give it a good mention in the run up to it, and we'll get you back. We'll get you back afterwards when you have become the first world champion boxer. I, I believe you will do to to have summited Everest because it would be an, a, a hell of a thing, even for you. I, I think I am. I think I'm, I'm still the first world champion boxer that's ever stood on one of the 
um, eight thousand meter mountains, you know. So I think I'm still, I'm still broke was that? <laughs> and uh, you know what? If anybody else is thinking about it, don't, <laughs> don't get that thought stay out your head now. The, stay in the <laughs> ring, stay boxing. Don't. Oh, Glenn, this has been enormous fun. Thanks very much. Thank and, and as I say, Thanks, we'll, we'll come back Thanks, and see Glenn. you again Pleasure. because it's just so, it's so entertaining. <laughs> So that, that signs it off for another episode of Macklin's Take. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you could find the time to write us a review and give us a rating, uh, that would be fantastic. And thanks as well to Aaron, Aaron Whitefoot, who has reworked our logo, you might have noticed. So when you look at the picture now, you don't just see two handsome men in Liam Macklin. You actually get an idea of what this is about, because prior to that, it's just two people sat in chairs, and you wouldn't really know what it was. So th- thanks for that, Aaron. It was much appreciated, um, and we made full use of it. So I hope everybody's well, and stay that way. We'll see you again soon. Get someone sneaking round a corner Could that someone be Mac the Knife There's a tugboat Down by the river Don't you know Where a cement bag Sports Social Podcast Network Judy was boring Hello Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com It's my little escape Now Judy's the life of the party Oh baby Mama's bringing home the bacon Whoa Take it easy Judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.